Today is Thursday, April 5th, and this is Celtics Beat on CLNS Media, the leading online provider of audio-video coverage of the Boston Celtics. Episode 257, featuring SB Nation senior writer Paul Flannery, is brought to you by Hims. My listeners get a special trial month of Hims for just $5 today while supplies last. Just go to 4 slash Celtics. See website for full details. Welcome back. Adam Kaufman here with you on Celtics Beat. Good to be with you again, and we have got a ton to cover, right? Regular season's winding down. We know at this point, barring a miracle, the Celtics are not going to be the top seed in the Eastern Conference in the regular season, and that is because they had just an ugly, it's strong to say effortless, it only looked effortless. Clearly there was effort involved, but the Celtics, they were just hammered. It was not their night in Toronto in their last game, and played terribly, quite frankly, a night prior in Milwaukee, and nearly eked that one out in a potential first-round playoff pre But that came off of a six-game winning streak where the Celtics were playing well above their heads, quite frankly. And so this team, a bit of an enigma right now, especially with pending injuries and who's going to come back and when. And there's so much to cover here, and we're going to go long, and that is why I'm going to jump right into it. I'm not going to do all my normal spiel. I would like to play some interesting sound for you and all of that, but there's just no time for this particular show. So what I tell you, as I always do, subscribe on iTunes for new shows to learn when they drop because again schedule's a little all over the map and of course leave us ratings leave us comments get me on twitter adam m kaufman we appreciate it always so keep it up but without further ado let's go paul flannery senior writer at sb nation paul almost there man almost the postseason then the fun can really start I can't wait, Adam. I, this season has dragged on so long, and I think—I mean, it's only been an extra two weeks, right, at the start of the season tacked on, but maybe it's because the offseason never ended, and I never felt like we got much of a break. It's just been one constant blur, frankly, and, like, I'm kind of waiting for the playoffs as, like, as like you know, uh, like a deep breath, kind of like let's go already. Let's let's get on to the next thing. Well, and some uh, of the games are a little more spread out. Plus, you know that the the whole NBA Twitter is going to be that much more interesting because you're going to have the players more involved and all that. I mean, this these are the fun times of the year. It's postseason, trade deadline, free agency. The regular season is kind of an afterthought. Well, I think the regular season. I like a lot of aspects of the regular season. I mean, I don't mind the grind. You sure. Know? Um, I'm a distance runner, so I kind of I kind of like <laughs> I kind of like the grind. But at the same time, yeah, I'm with you. I mean, to me, <laughs> I don't know how your listeners feel about this, but I kind of feel like the off season is a little overrated. Like it's a lot of fun, but to me, the whole point of it of, of the NBA is the postseason. That mm-hmm. is the whole. That's why we're doing this, right? We're doing this so we can get into the playoffs, take our shot, see who's better, get to the finals, and maybe host the trophy. And you know, so to me, it's like all this other stuff is just prelude to this. And, yeah, so let's get it on. Well, and that to me, too, and, and I guess we're kind of getting off topic from the Celtics, and we'll, we'll get to that, but that's that's for me, and you obviously cover the whole league on a much broader scope than I ever have, so you could speak to this better, but that's why, like, for a long time, for years, I hated the NBA playoffs, not because I didn't, you know, I wasn't entertained or anything like that, but because in the NBA more so than, let's say, the NHL, where, you know, a goalie can steal a series, an eight seed can beat a one, an eight seed can win the cup. In the NBA, more often than not, with with very rare exception, talent wins out. Talent yep. wins out, and so in a seven-game series, you always felt like you knew who was going to win. Maybe a series would go six or seven games. Maybe it would be really tightly contested, but you knew who was going to win. And now we're sort of nearing a point where that's a little less true. And I, I realize that can sound a little stupid after we've had the same two teams going head-to-head in the finals the last three years as predicted. No, there's a lot of uncertainty in the middle. And, you know, it's interesting. I just want to I want to hit this one point real quick because I, I, I am interested in this. I think some of that is, is a little bit of selective bias where – if you have a seven-game series between, say, a two and a three or a three and a six, and the, you know, the, 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 the higher seed wins, you say, well, we knew they were going to get it. <laughs> but at the time, you didn't know they were going to get it. You, know? you had doubt and uncertainty, and that's what makes the playoffs so interesting to me. But you are right that parity is alive in the NBA, if not so much at the very tippy-tip top, then certainly everything below. Like, where do we even like, make a cutoff? Uh, Houston, Golden State, sure. I mean, does Cleveland qualify anymore? Does Toronto? I don't know. I, like, who are these? Like, usually you have like three teams. You'd be like, there's no way that any of these three teams that no one else is going to be a champion. It's going to be one of these three. This year, I don't know who that's going to be. 
necessarily getting there to the end. And I think that lends itself to a lot of unpredictability and fun. I'm always fascinated by the tears when it comes to these NBA teams. And, and you know what, that'll be part of the discussion that we'll get to here as, as we go forward. But let's talk a little bit about the Celtics and what they've been doing because they suffered back-to-back losses in Milwaukee and Toronto. Squandered an opportunity really to reclaim the top seed in the East, although that was never really a, a priority for Brad Stevens in this Boston team as much as it has been for Dwayne Casey in Toronto. He was very vocal about that. But we've seen them hit this this little bit of a rut after an almost otherworldly six-game winning streak where it just seemed like no matter the lineup they're going in they're beating better teams especially from that western conference do you take much from these last two games or is it just kind of they've been fighting really hard and eventually you're you're going to hit that little bump in the road i take a lot more from the overall and you know i listen it's been astonishing what they've done (laughs) since since all the injuries started i mean people were ready to write them down to like a three or a four seed at that point Mm -hmm. and they established themselves as a very high two seed which is a good seed because, you know, if you can get through, you've got home court for the first two rounds. That's not bad. And, yeah, okay, the last couple of games have been disappointing, I guess. But, you know, I mean, what do you want from the team? <laughs> They've been pulling these things out. They've been pulling rabbits out of their hat for like a month now. And it's really been fascinating to watch because I don't have to tell the people who listen to this um, how good Brad Stevens is. But Coach you can really see these, these really fun things that he does. And, you know, that makes it – that's what makes part of the regular season so much fun, right? It's these little things. I was talking to somebody the other day. I didn't watch it because I'm, I'm old and I go to bed now. But the, <laughs> uh, the Utah game, someone said that was their most fun regular season win in, like, 15 years that they can remember. It was the win of the year. Yeah. And I'm now, now I'm sad I missed it because <laughs> maybe I should go back and watch it. Now, the technology, you can still see it. I can still see it. Yeah. So, you know, but and so that's – those are the things you live for during a regular season, and then the overall sort of works out the way it's supposed to work out. I think going into the season, if you said the Celtics would be a 50-plus win team, say 53-55 wins, and a two-seed, even knowing that they had Gordon Hayward, I think you would have probably said, that's not bad. Okay, cool. I, I like the sound of that. Now you take Hayward out of the equation, and you say that, and you say, all right, that's amazing. And then you take all these other guys out, and you say, okay, what can we make of this Celtics team? And frankly, Adam, I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. Yeah, and that's that's one of the things that I sort of wonder is who is this team or what is this team as you consider the bodies, obviously, that they have. And, and even before that, actually, because I, I heard this point raised the other day, I think it was by Adam Himmelsbach, and I, I had thought about it a little bit as well, but the deeper conversation that goes along with it. Brad Stevens is so good, so smart, such a technician. You know, we throw around a term like wizard, you know, that type of thing, obviously, just have <laughs> yeah, fun with it. That. But yeah, but just he's so tactical, obviously, with, with everything. Thing that that he does and and the whole eat sleeps breathes basketball that sure you'd love to see him 82 games with Kyrie Irving with Gordon Hayward with Al Horford with all the rest of the guys but do you think there's a little something inside Brad I think Himmelsbach said it, it takes him back to like Butler Brad basically where he likes these challenges of having these underdog lineups that aren't supposed to go out there and have any sort of success even stay in games let alone win them I'm going to give you an answer that you're not going to like <laughs> okay. I don't think he views it that way at all. Interesting. And the, the reason I don't think he views it that way at all is because if you know Brad, and I've gotten to know him just a little bit over the years, is that he is a huge believer in this idea that every day is a chance to get just a little bit better and that you do you, you make do with what you have and you go forward and you don't get hung up on what ifs or how abouts or whatever. That kind of makes him a pretty dry interview when it comes to media stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because... He's not gonna go. He's not gonna give you the doc quote. <laughs> you know, he's not gonna give you the, give you the. This is the most important game we're ever gonna play. He's not hiding money in the ceiling. He'll right? give you dad jokes though. Right, and he does, and that's him, and I think that's pretty great. So, Brad looks at every game as a unique entity, and who, what do I have to work with, and who's available, and then he goes and he plays. Now, if that reminds people of the Butler days, there's probably a reason for that because it's the same guy. But to me, I don't think he views it that way at all i think that this is just you know he's an everyday kind of guy it's a really fascinating way to view the world it's not as easy as it sounds it's great that you pointed out that way too because i've been saying for years at this point i was someone who followed brad at butler and and i like college basketball and i loved that hire i wrote a piece for boston.com that day he was hired just elated overjoyed and partially maybe because i wasn't a huge doc guy either but i was really excited about the hire but as he has gotten better as this team has gotten better each and every year i've always 
kind of referred to Brad in in a fun, joking sort of way as my life coach. And yeah. he and he really does like he could be your high school guidance counselor, you know, and yeah, you, and, you and, and would be the same guy. Him. Yeah, you kind of want to go go have dinner with him. I mean, it's 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 really fun. I, like I can't say enough good things about Brad. Everybody gushes about Brad because he's a genuine deal. He's a real deal. He's a real human being who's a really good coach, and that's a pretty nice combination to have. Um, and, you know, his thing is that he does not like the attention. Everybody says they don't like the attention, but he really doesn't like the attention Constantly in, terms of the, yeah. in terms of the personal praise. Yeah, no, he, he really doesn't. It's it, almost aggravating. <laughs> it, it, it is. No, he rolls his eyes at a lot of it. Um, but that's okay. I mean, that's, that's what you need in the NBA because, to, to in a really roundabout way to answer your question, that you posed previously, it, the league is still about the players. And if you ask Brad, does he like winning with fifteen, with you know nine through fifteen on, in the rotation, or with Kyrie Irving? He'd probably like to have Kyrie back in the lineup at one hundred percent. You know, because he's a realist too. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the way it is. You're not this team, as wonderful as they've been, as currently constituted without Kyrie, without Marcus Smart, without Tice, who's been who was phenomenal for them. Um, they're not they're not winning the championship. You know, they're just not. And they might get knocked out in the first round if they get a bad draw or if something bad happens or whatever. I don't think that's going to happen, but that's the possibility. And, you know, can they get to the conference final? I think they probably could if some things break their way and they get some health back. But, you know, they're not going as far as they want to go without, without their main guys. You know, and just to circle back to your point, too, about Brad recognizing sort of it would be a crude way to say his place because he's he's the most important aspect and, and figure in this organization, save for maybe Danny Ainge, as far as I'm concerned, far more so than any of his players, including his all-stars. But to your point, as far as just how he deflects and recognizes that it's about the players, that is one of the components anyway that makes him so successful as opposed to guys like... Rick Pitino, John Calipari, you know, guys guys that the have come out guys. of college. Yeah. yeah, that I mean, that was – I don't know how much of a concern that was about Brad at the time. It wasn't one of mine, but among other people, it was these college coaches that have success. They come to the NBA, and they think it's all about them, and they find out, nope, you don't matter. Brad yeah. has never operated that way. So it, yep. it is one of the things. It, yeah, sorry to interrupt. Yeah, no, it's, it's fascinating you say that because the, um, the worry, concern was actually the opposite, not that he would come in – you know, with all guns blazing, was that he'd get run over by NBA players. Right. That it wouldn't translate to NBA players. And, you know, it took a little while to go. And if you talk to him, it took him a while to figure out the league. I mean, there were some, there were some adjustment periods in the beginning. And just in terms of everything, really, I think that first year was a huge learning experience for him. But it started to change once they started getting some good players and started having some success. And, you know, one of the things was Isaiah Thomas said this to me years ago. And it was one of those deals where, like, Isaiah was coming on, and it was like, are you a six-man or you a starter? I want to be a starter or whatever, blah, blah, blah. And I said, well, how do you deal with, you know, when Brad takes you out of the game? And he goes, man, Brad doesn't care if he's taking Brady, who's the son out of the game. He doesn't <laughs> care. And the, the point being was that if you're consistent with what you do and you don't deviate and you don't play favorites and you don't, you know, you don't hedge on what you believe in, players will buy into it if they think you're putting in the work. And if they see results, players will buy in. And you got to prove it to them a little bit. And I think Brad was smart enough to understand that he had to prove it to them a little bit. Because, you know, players have seen a lot of stuff. <laughs> They've seen Rick Pitino and John Calipari and guys like that. You know, and a lot of them played for those guys at mm. various points in their life. So they know – they know. Uh, there's a word I'm going to use, but I'm not going to use it. All right. They know a con when they see one. <laughs> They're yep. really good at recognizing a con. I'm not saying Patino and Calipari are cons. Please don't sue us. But, you know, the point being that, you know, Brad had to prove a little bit that, like, this is what I'm going to do and this is how it's going to be. And he got backing from ownership. He got backing from management, which is really important. And the players bought in. And now what they have is they have a developing culture and a system that is based somewhat on Brad, but also on the players. When you come to Boston, the expectation is that the players are going to buy in and, you know, you can give that to Brad, you can give it to Danny, you can give it to, to Wick if you want. But, you know, that's 
that's a developing thing that what they hope is going to last for the next decade. Maybe con's not the word. Maybe a BS artist would be, right. would be that'd be a better way. But <laughs> I'm, yeah, because you know you reach a point where you uh, you know you BS so much you start to believe your own stuff. Rick Patino still thinks he didn't cheat. So <laughs> I got nothing on Patino. <laughs> yeah, so so there are, there are things like that. Uh, so a few themes getting back to the season the last couple of games: poor three point shooting, bad on the glass, too many turnovers lackadaisical defense is there a cause for concern in those areas or is it again small sample size tired um you know lack of focus long season um the things that concern me about the celtics long term are will always be defensive rebounding they were a horrible defensive rebounding team last year and tristan thompson ate their lunch robin lopez killed them remember that in the beginning mm-hmm. of that series. So defensive rebounding was a huge problem. I haven't looked at the stats in a while, <laughs> so but I think they've cleaned that up to a degree, but they have got to be tight on the boards in the in the postseason because you can't give teams extra possessions. The turnovers kind of play into the same bit, too. It's like, you know, if you're giving teams extra possessions, especially live possessions in playoff games where you're, you're giving away a steal and somebody's getting a dunk, those are points you can't get back. Th- that's the difference between a team that wins a seven-game series and a team that loses in six. So, you know, those things have to get tightened up. I assume they probably will. So it's not a huge cause for concern from my estimation. I mean, you know, the other stuff is just who's going to be in the rotation when the playoffs start? Who's going to be available? And I think that's, you know, that is really an open question right now. There's a lot of debate lately over the ideal first-round opponent for the Seas. Bucks, Wizards, Heat. Now, I'm a Miami guy. I think that's mm-hmm. the best matchup for Boston because I'd rather face the better coach than the better talent in a seven-game series. goes back to what we were talking right. about before. Where do you land? Because, candidly, I mean, really, they should beat any of them. But if you, had, if you had to pick one, I think it's the Heat. Yeah, I think, you know, you can make an argument for all of them. And I, I'm, I'm with you. I think I'm with you on the Miami, on the Miami pick because... I have so much respect for those guys. I mean, they play so hard. And Spolster's a really good coach. I don't, you know, I don't know if Spolster's gotten the credit. We talk a lot about Brad. There's some really good coaches in this league, and Spolstra is one of them. Um, you know, and they will, if you play them in a series, they will beat you up, and they will guard you, and they will make your life hard. And they might take an, you might get an elbow or two. And, you know, at the end of the day, don't forget, Pat Riley and Eric Spolstra – despise the Celtics. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you should see them. I, I talked to Spo one time in an all-star game, and, and I was asking him kind of a breezy question about KG. It was like toward the end of KG's career, if you remember back to those great, you know, battles they had, and he got, he got really tense. <laughs> he was like, you know, he gave, a, he gave a nice, thoughtful, polite answer and stuff, but it was like, you know, we don't discuss that, you know, that kind of thing. So if you, if you get the heat, you're getting, you're getting some stuff that goes along with it. Um, Milwaukee, I am of the opinion, has begun to burn Giannis out, although that dude will probably reach another level in the postseason, and that makes them scary. Plus, Bledsoe and Milton are nice players. Um, So they've got talent. The Wizards are the great wild card to me because I don't know what they're going to be. I don't think they know what they're going to be. And, you know, if they ever got it together, I still think they're one of the more talented teams in in the East, but I don't know they're going to get it together. You just don't want to be the team that finds out (laughs) when they do. As you talked about the Heat from just what they are and the way they play, it almost sounded like before we got to the hate the Celtics part, obviously, with Spolstra and Riley, it sort of sounded like you're talking about the Celtics of two years ago, right? The the team that flirts with that 7-8 seed and it's it's a plucky underdog and they play so hard and, and, yeah. and don't count them out. But ultimately, much like the Heat in this situation, they should still be a first round out. They should be. Uh, yeah, but, you know, Dragic and Whiteside are, are good players. And, you know, there is talent there. So I think people discount their talent just a little bit. I mean, Dragic is an all-star. He's a tough dude. And, you know, if Whiteside is right, he's a problem. So you got to contend with a couple of things there. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, look, it's going to fall the way it's going to fall. I kind of lean toward Miami being a better opponent for them. But, you know, I, I would not be shocked if a first-round series went six games against anybody, um, given what they may have health-wise. I just wouldn't. How susceptible do you think Boston is to a first-round upset without Kyrie Irving, without Marcus Smart? Um, I think more – let me put it this way. I think of all the teams in the East that are probably going to get a top seed. Well, nah. Okay. I think they're more susceptible than Toronto. I think they're more susceptible than Cleveland. I'm not sure about Philly. Those are probably your top four seeds in the East, right? So if you're looking for an upset spot, you're probably looking at whoever Philly's playing and whoever um, – Boston is playing. I'm not saying that'll happen. I kind of think it won't. 
but that's that, that, that's sort of where that comes in. Clearly a lot to cover with Paul. We'll get back to him in just a second. But today's episode of Celtics Beat is brought to you by Hims. Hims is a brand new wellness brand for men. Guys, how many of you are scared of losing your hair? I would guess a lot of you are, considering 66% of men lose their hair by age 35. How many friends do you know whose hairline is starting to trend in the wrong direction? Are you that person? Because by the time you or your friend notice that hair loss becoming a problem, it's too late. Stop procrastinating. Stop turning to weird hair loss solutions. Hims is your one-stop shop for hair loss, skin care, and sexual wellness for men. And the best part about Hims is they connect you with real doctors to treat your hair loss with actual medical-grade solutions. We're not talking about concoctions that you make at home. We're talking about prescription solutions backed by science. Just go to 4 right now. Sign up is easy. Just answer a few quick questions and a doctor will be assigned to you. Products are shipped directly to your door. You don't have to wait in line for hours. Let Hims come to you. And my listeners get a special trial month of Hims for just $5 today while supplies last. See website for full details. This would cost you hundreds of dollars if you went to your local pharmacy. But use my promo code. Go to forhims.com slash Celtics. That's forhims.com slash Celtics. All right, let's get back to Paul and, and all of this. So it's not often that during a recorded podcast, because clearly this comes out after the fact that you do have breaking news that won't be quite as breaking when My this podcast is, is released. Up. What is happening? So here's what's going on. If I, I apologize if I have sounded at all distracted, there's a reason. According to Woj, Adrian Wojnarowski, in the aftermath of left knee surgery, Boston Celtics all-star guard Kyrie Irving will miss the rest of the regular season and playoffs, well, according to sources. So. I'll tell you what, Paul, this this to me is not the least bit surprising. I have spent time talking to various doctors, just people about the medical side of things, clearly not people who have who have specifically been involved in Kyrie Irving's care or anything like that, just trying to better get to know the knee and the type of injury and what could result from the injury. And this to me sounds like a very realistic long-term concern for Kyrie Irving for the Celtics. I'm Maybe I'm overreacting. Maybe this is nothing. And obviously I want your opinion above all else. But I'm not at all surprised that Kyrie Irving is not going to play again the rest of this year, no matter how far the Celtics go. I am not a doctor, nor do I pretend to be one. <laughs> so I do not know. Um, to, to be able to fully answer the question. I mean, you know, look, they thought he was uh, – I haven't seen him in a couple of weeks, but a couple of weeks ago I think there was pretty good, you know, feeling that um, this was going to be – he was going to be fine and he was going to be back. When he decided to have a second opinion, then I think there was a little bit of uncertainty. And now we're in a situation where this is going to take a little bit. And – this changes a lot. I mean, you're catching me off guard too, Adam. Let's let's be real with our listeners. <laughs> sure. Uh, I haven't really thought this all the way through. Yeah, you have to digest but, this on uh, the fly you know, here. I mean, look, he's you know, this, this is a concern. This is a huge concern. He's got what another year left on his contract. You have to start thinking about things like that. You have to start thinking about you know, lots of different scenarios and lots of different things. Um, the upshot right now is that this severely limits their playoff capabilities. Mm-hmm. But even just a little more on Irving before we get to that, you know, he has this minimally invasive procedure the you know, just to remove a little bit of the tension wire dating back to when he first broke that kneecap going back to the 2015 finals and it was ugly and we all saw that happen. I just don't understand why if I'm no more a doctor than you are. In fact, you may be more a doctor than I am, no. depending on your schooling, <laughs> but it, it is not my area either. So I get it in the bigger picture. And it sort of goes back to Isaiah Thomas in the hip last year. And of course, now he's having surgery and apples and oranges, I get that. But in the same philosophical sense, why go in and do something minor if there's maybe something more significant at hand? Would it surprise you at all if Irving had to go under the knife again between now and the start of next year? I have no idea. I really don't. And I, I, I've never seen his knee. I don't know what's inside his knee. I wouldn't have the slightest idea what would surprise me or what wouldn't surprise me. I know this. When KG was hurt in 2009, there was a lot of subtle pressure on him to go play. And there was, um, you know, it was sort of an expectation. I heard rumors throughout the entire postseason. I remember one night in Orlando, somebody was like, you know, I heard KG's lock, uh, uniform is hung in the locker. Like, <laughs> oh, God, here it is. He's coming back. And he never came <laughs> back. And, you know, there was, there was a little bit of criticism 
headed his way in that direction. And when they went in and they took a look, they found something serious behind the knee, and they had to take care of it. And it really could have damaged him if he had played. So I think precaution is really good when you're talking about an NBA career because they only last so long. And, you know, so what would surprise me? I have literally no idea because I don't know what's going on. You know, I don't know the specific diagnosis. I don't know any of that. But I do know that it's it, – you mentioned the Isaiah Thomas thing. That dude put a lot on the line mm-hmm. to get to a conference finals last year. So, um, But, you know, Kyrie and whoever else is in that position – needs to watch out for their career first because you see what's happened to Isaiah at this point in his career. Well, and to credit the Celtics, to credit Danny Ainge, and this is the way it should work, they've always prioritized player health first. You know, that's they're clearly with Daniel Tice in, in other situations. They're not going to rush Marcus Smart back. We know all throughout the year, no interest in rushing Gordon Hayward back. And I, I think the little side plot to this even, and, and nobody, especially at this point, as we talk here in early April, has any sort of expectation of Gordon Hayward playing this year. But I think maybe Hayward still in the back of his mind has, and he could even, with Kyrie Irving being ruled out, temper things down, slow things down a little bit, because at this point, I mean, what's the rush? He's Well, he's, I mean, yeah, but they don't think that way. Right, they as, think, as they a think player. They think i got to come back and help. i got to yeah. come back and save the day. And so that's where you have to be smart and um, and that's where you need really you need you need people to make to make the right decisions because this is a competitive business and these are competitive people and like it's pretty easy to take a step back from the outside and see the big picture but when you're in it it's a little bit more difficult so you know I mean medical is medical is medical is the way it should be it doesn't always work out that way throughout the league. Um, there's often a difference of opinion. In your experience just covering the league, and, and every injury is different, certainly every player is different, so we're just spitballing here more than anything else. But it's Kyrie Irving, a now 26-year-old guy with, at least at one point in time, maybe it still is, we don't know, but at least at one point in time, a significant serious knee injury that Danny Ainge, even prior to this, acknowledged was going to require future surgery or, plural, surgeries. We've seen knee injuries derail careers, be it Brandon Roy or Derek Rose or any number of guys. Yeah. How big a concern does this just feel to you about huge. you know a young, talented player in his prime who's who's going to be looking for huge cash in a year? Well, all of it. Everything you just said. Yeah. I mean, this is your franchise. This is, these are the decisions you have to make as a franchise, and these are these are the things that you have to deal with. It doesn't always work. It, always, it doesn't always line up the way you want it to line up. It doesn't always work out the way you want it to work out. And health is the biggest variable in the league. If you tell me every team is healthy at the beginning of the year, I can probably tell you who's going to win the championship. <laughs> but I can't tell you who's going to be hurt. And I can't tell you that Steph Curry is going to be out for a little bit of time. I can't tell you that Kawhi missed everything but nine games. I can't tell you that Kyrie's going to have a knee injury. Like, health is the biggest variable in the NBA. And, by the way, I'm going to bring this back full circle, Adam. Please. You mentioned how long the season lasts. The season is too freaking long. <laughs> too many, yeah. There's too many games. I know all the reasons you can't do it. The economics don't work and blah, 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 blah. But I think the season, the regular season, is too long. And I think until they get serious about addressing that, this is a byproduct of that. You lose your best players at the time when you want everyone watching your game. Danny Ainge has said multiple times, Paul, that knee injuries, you know, they were aware of everything at the time of the trade, obviously, and that they're organizationally, at least what he has said publicly, there's no long-term concern over Kyrie Irving, and time will bear that out. You know, we'll find out clearly. But what is going through his mind as he thinks back? You know, he looks at that trade and and Isaiah Thomas, his different other health concerns, but giving up that next pick that a lot of people didn't want to see go and putting so many chips on a franchise player who may or may may not ever be right again oh he'd do it every day he'd do it every day i mean you know because you can't know you just can't know and you can only make the decision based on the available information at the time mm-hmm. he would make that trade every single day now if he knew a year from now that the dude was going to have surgery then maybe he would think twice obviously but at the time of the trade he was going to do that no questions asked he said something to me earlier this season and you know it's, it's tricky it's tricky but you know he referred to Kyrie as basketball royalty and that's what he is. He was the number one recruit. He was the number one college player, even though he didn't play that long because he had an injury. You know, he was the number one overall pick. He's an ex-whatever-time all-star, all that kind of stuff. He is royalty in the basketball world. And you add those guys. You take shots at those guys. That's why you go get them. I had my doubts, frankly, when they made that trade because I didn't view Kyrie that way. My opinion of that has changed, having had the opportunity to watch him on a nightly basis until, until the injuries. My opinion on that changed a little bit. He's better than I thought he was. 
But, you know, those are the things you have to do if you want to win a championship, and it doesn't always work out in your favor. I mean, the Blazers did everything. You mentioned Brandon Roy. The Blazers did everything right, and it still fell apart because of bad knees. Mm -hmm. So, you know, but you live with that. Well, let's talk more about this team because now we know it's not going to involve Kyrie Irving, and we've long speculated it's not going to involve Gordon Hayward either, and hopefully, provided they make it out of the first round, they will have Marcus Smart back. But Ainge said in an interview earlier today, offense is the hardest thing to find in this league, particularly closing offense. So True. where's that going to come from with a shorthanded group in the playoffs? How much <laughs> pressure is going to be on Jason Tatum, on Jalen Brown, and others? Marcus Morris, man. He's gonna <laughs> I love him. He's been awesome. Um, yeah, all those guys you just mentioned, I think they're, they're, there's pressure on Tatum because he's the guy who can get a shot um, better than, I, I'm trying to think, you know, Terry Rozier maybe. But like, he's a guy that can get a shot. Um, I love Jalen. I think Jalen is going to be so good. I think he is going to be a wonderful sort of secondary star that you sometimes take for granted but is better than you think kind of guy, like an Iguodala. Um, but he's not – necessarily the guy you want doing that now he will do it he will absolutely do it if you read the piece i did on him uh about his uh his meditation work he's totally fine with taking that shot and not from a selfish hmm. reason he's totally he's just got that kind of confidence um tatum is going to get there i think he's going to be an exceptional player in the next two or three years so we'll find out a lot about him in the playoffs, but I would caution people not to judge him too harshly because this is a really difficult position he's going to be in. Marcus Morris, uh, DJ, DGAF, which is great. You need that. <laughs> you need that. You need him flinging from three. And he might go 0 for 7, but he might go 5 for five for 6, too. Um, beyond that, you know, look, Terry Rozier becomes a very important player because he can go get it. It's not always – you know, elegant, but he can he can go get it. And, you know, guys like Shane Larkin become important, frankly, because Shane Larkin can scramble and get a shot. So, you know, it's it they're gonna have to look down the they're gonna have to look down the roster. <laughs> I mean there's not there's not an obvious guy, which does make them a little bit dangerous because it's harder it'll be harder to key in on one guy, but that tends to catch up with you after a certain amount of time in the postseason. How much, and this is a stupid question, so I'm, I'm going to be careful, no, I guess. No, they're, well, then there are stupid people that ask them. So either way, I'm not in a good category. But how much does all of this recent news, all of these injuries, change expectations for this team? And I, I don't mean the obvious sense, well, before, you know, if they were fully staffed, they, they could potentially reach the NBA Finals, and now they could maybe lose in the first round. It, more from the organizational sense where if, you know, if they do go down in the first round without... Al Horford's an all-star, I recognize that, but without that leader like a Kyrie Irving and, and without Marcus Smart in the opening round and who knows exactly what the health is of everybody else, as you said, we find out as the time moves along. Is the organization disappointed by a first-round loss? Is that considered, quote-unquote, unacceptable? And I don't mean people are losing jobs. I just mean, nah, is it, you know... I know what you're saying. Yeah. I, I know what you're saying. Injuries, injuries are disappointing. Yeah. Injuries are disappointing. I think, they're, I think they're smart enough and they have the bigger picture in mind. And frankly, that's an advantage that people don't talk enough about, which is that they don't operate that way. There are some teams in the league, if they don't make the playoffs, everyone's getting fired on April 12th or whatever day, the, next, the, you know, the day after the end of the season. Everybody's getting fired. Somebody in the West is going to miss the playoffs. They're going to sneak out of that 9-10, and then, unless it's like San Antonio or something like that. Like, people are going to lose their jobs. And they've been, those teams have been operating that way for the last two or three years. Just get into the playoffs, right? That's mm -hmm. it. They don't look at it that way, smartly, wisely. Sometimes you got to take some short-term hits for long-term for, for long gain. They lose in the first round, I think they're going to be pissed off. I think they're going to be annoyed. I think they're going to be angry, and I think they're going to be frustrated. But it's not a game-changing loss by any stretch of the imagination, and I think they'll, they'll take their lumps. People will have to take their shots, and they'll go about it and try to get better in, in the summer. If they get out of the first round and they were to face, they can't face Toronto in the second round, but they could right. still face Cleveland. Yeah. I mean, there's no chance. There's, 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 I've been saying this for six months. Nobody wants to listen to me. Well, then, then I've been with you, okay? Because I'm, I'm glad you said that. And, and quite frankly, it looks like as of late, while the Cleveland has gone on this eight and one run, albeit yeah. w without Ty Lue, you know, it looks like the Cavs own the Raptors. And I've, I'm one of those people who has never counted out LeBron James this year. No matter Cleveland's struggles, no matter the lack of defense, no matter the infighting, we've seen it all before. LeBron yeah. is still LeBron when the playoffs roll around, if, if not all along the way which he has been. Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, yeah. I was out there. I caught up with them in Portland 
uh, in mid-March. Uh, I was working on a Damian Lillard feature, which is up now, by the way, and everyone should go check there it out go. and read it on SB Nation. I'm actually proud of this one. I think it was pretty good. I hope you're proud but of all I, of them. No, nah, that's not true. But I caught up with the Cavs. <laughs> I caught up with the Cavs because they were playing them, and I was talking to some people with them, and they said, look, they said at some point um, – it's going to take 10 games, and we don't know when it's going to happen. It might happen now. It might happen at the end of the season. It might happen in the playoffs. But it's going to take 10 games, and we're going to lock in the play. And they still don't know what that meant, okay? They, they were like, well, we don't know. But they, had a, they knew that at some point things were going to get a little bit tighter, a little more serious, and they were going to lock in. Now, my concern with them is they still don't play any freaking defense, and that's, that's going to cost them at some point. It just has to. But, you know, they've locked in, and they can score a lot of points, and they've got the most impactful player in, in the world. So you got to deal with all that. And they expect to win, too. So you got to deal with that. And, you know, I've been saying for a long time I still think they're going to make it out, and the one team that can take them out is Toronto. That's what I, that's what I believe. Um, but we'll see. The Raptors are going to have a great postseason, to me, is the new Boston will never sign a max-level free agent. <laughs> You know, it's it's. I'll believe it can happen when it actually happens. Right. That's right. just that's just sort of what I need to see from the Raptors. It's I'm not life, I'm not saying man. they're terrible, but we need no, to see it. It's life. I mean, you know, you can't keep saying, "Oh, this will be different." Nope. This will be different. Uh uh-uh. uh. <laughs> we're, we're different this year. Sweep. You know, I mean, they've been saying they're going to be different for the last three years, and at some point, they have to prove it. And I think that's fair. And I do think I do think bottom line is they understand that. Um, they understand that they have to prove it. But I think when it gets hard and when it gets tough, and it will, you know, we'll see. Because at that at points like that, that's when people revert to their bad habits. That's when Kyle's going to try to go one on one with everybody, and he's going to wear himself down. That's when Demar's going to return to the to the to the mid level. That's when you know guys who shouldn't be shooting are going to be shooting. Guys who shouldn't be playing are going to be on the floor. Blah 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 blah. blah. That's going to happen. The question is, what's going to happen after that happens? Are they going to be able to adjust quickly? Are they going to be able to stick with what they're doing and trust it? Because, frankly, they should come out of the East. They're the best team in the East, and it's not close if you look at it on paper. Like, it's not close. But, you know, we got to see it. And to top it off, they got to deal with number 23 at some point. I cannot imagine they're not going to run into LeBron at some point. And that's the way it's got to be in this league. That's, that History has shown us that in order to get there, you got to have these things along the way. They've just happened to have three years' worth of things. Hmm. But until they get there, you know, and we forget, man, it took the Bulls a while to get past the distance. It didn't happen overnight. You know, we were, we're so used to this age of the, the instant super team, thanks to the 2008 Celtics. And, you know, it's, it takes time. And so, but this better be now. If I'm Toronto, this, have got, this has got to be now. You have got to do this now because it will never line up better for you than right now. So you keep saying best team in the East, no yeah. question about it. For people that casually at best watch these Raptors, like most people who listen to this particular program probably only watch the Raptors when the Celtics play the Raptors. Sure. So who are these Raptors? What makes them so good? Well, I mean, they've got good players, number one. Lowry and DeRozan are phenomenal players. And they changed their style, so they got rid of a lot of, a lot of the long twos. They're shooting more threes. So now they got math on their side, and that helps. But they've also got this bench, and the bench is really, really good. And the bench comes in, and the bench beats the hell out of teams. They come in, and they change the game. If you're winning, they extend the lead. If you're losing, they get the lead back. They do it over and over and over again. They come at you in waves. It's five young guys who are totally bought into the system, got a lot to prove, and they play their ass off. Now, in the playoffs, rotations get tighter. And you're not, those bench guys are not going to be playing against bench rotations in the postseason. They're going to be playing against starters for the most part. And maybe you can't play 10 guys. Maybe you can't stick to that. Maybe you can't roll with what's been working when things get tight. That's a big variable. Their bench is awesome. How much are they going to be able to use it, and how much is it going to help them? That is a huge, huge thing. And then the other one is, you know, again, will they trust what they've, what they've done this season? Will they trust their system when things get tough? So Boston fans can be greedy. You know that? No. Yeah, I know. Sounds crazy. It's not me if you've heard this before. Before Al Horford, like I said, the team never 
added a max contract free agent. Many fans, most, believed it wasn't possible. Al signs on. That was great. Then Gordon Hayward. Things really got exciting around here. Then the trade for Kyrie Irving. People started talking NBA Finals. All the while, there's been the Anthony Davis rumors, mostly fueled by local and national media, not necessarily by people in basketball circles. And now the focus is on Kawhi Leonard, in part, because it's another superstar who's available and the Celtics have the chips. Ignoring the C's for a moment, though, how likely is Kawhi to be moved anywhere this offseason? Do you, like many, believe he has played his final game with the Spurs? No, I don't believe that. Um, and I say that without any inside intel from San Antonio, which is locked up like a vault. <laughs> and I say that with no inside intel from Kawhi's people because I don't know his people or have much relationship with them. So I'm just being honest with your listeners when I tell you that this is just a gut feeling. Um, you know, LaMarcus Aldridge was out. He was gone. He was traded. He was done. And he actually went in and requested a trade. And they sat him down and said, okay, how can we make this right? And he stayed. And look at that. He's a top 10 MVP candidate this year. So I have a hard time believing that anyone can say with certainty that it's over because it's not. They have him under contract. And, you know, they're the Spurs still. And so maybe the breach of trust or whatever is going on here is so irrevocable that you cannot – that you just can't – it can't go on. I don't know that. Maybe it is. And if it is, then, you know, you got a decision to make as an organization. If you remember LeBron, LeBron did not want to trade Kyrie. His view was – Work it out. Let it blow over. What's he going to do? Not come to camp? Make him come to camp. Mm -hmm. You know, stand up to him. That was what LeBron, that's at least what has been voiced around LeBron, has (laughs) put out into the public sphere. That's what he thinks. So, you know, things, nobody knows anything for certain in this league. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we've learned that time and time again. Ever. Which makes it fun. That makes it a lot of fun. Um, it's a weird situation. I I do believe in terms of the Anthony Davis situation that and Kawhi and whoever star player X, if there's a disgruntled star out there who's looking to get out, the Celtics are going to be at the, at the front of the conversation. I'm not entirely sure that they are at the lead of the conversation because I have to take a look and see, you know, well, let's see what happens this summer, who loads up on stuff. But in terms of being able to swing a superstar trade, they've got some stuff. I don't know if they've got all the stuff, but they got a lot of stuff. So they're always in the conversation. That's always going to be a part of, of, of who they are and what they're about. And, you know, so there's going to be smoke. Just bank on it. And that's fun, right? I'm just not sure I get my hopes up because, as you say, I think people were taken by, surprised by the Kyrie trade last year. That came out of nowhere. The Hayward thing, not so much. No, so, I mean, we were pinning our Horford hopes on one, that, quite frankly. Right. The Horford one was a, was a big coup, and I hope people understand that. That changed some perceptions around the league mm-hmm. with players. That helped. And, you know, so those are free agents. Trades are different. Because if you talk to people around the league, there's still a billion people who will tell you that they never should have gotten Garnett. Hmm. You know, that, that, that their offer was bad. I think that's wrong, by the way, but that's a conversation for a different time. But, you know, I, trades are weird. You don't know, you don't know what's going to happen. Has your opinion of Kawhi, the person, not the player, changed at all over the course of this season? No, because I don't know him. I just don't know him. I've talked to him, like, a couple of times, and he was fine. Um, you know, generally heard good things about him. I don't know what's going on. I really don't. So I don't have that much of an opinion about him one way or another, and I don't think a lot of people do unless they have unless they interact with him on a daily basis. So I try to stay out of that one because I just I don't know. I don't know what the situation is. I mean, look, a lot of people thought Kyrie was being a diva for getting out of Cleveland. Yeah. Right? Are you kidding me? You're getting out you're leaving LeBron? What's wrong with you? Well, maybe he saw the writing on the wall and got out a year ahead of time. Sure maybe seems he like smart it. smart one in that situation. So, you know, it's dangerous to judge these things unless you know everything that, that, that's going on. Probably an equally unfair question to ask then, but maybe oh, le- less. I'll, I'll ask it anyway. Less about Kawhi, more about Greg Popovich. Does it surprise you that Kawhi is behaving the way he is for someone like Pop? Because, you know, no. they've, they've always seemed like a great match, like Pop and Tim Duncan in some ways, you know? Quiet yeah. superstar, doesn't say anything, shows no personality, just plays, and he's one of the best in the league when he's right. But now he's all but abandoned the team amid reports of, of fellow Spurs calling him out and being told anyway from what we hear that he's physically able to play and doesn't seem to trust the medical team there. Yeah, so um, Tony Parker feuded with Pop and wanted out. Manu feuded with Pop and wanted out. Um, pretty much everybody at some point has feuded with Pop and wanted out except for Duncan. And maybe he at some point was like, I've heard Don, you know, 
you go back and look, there are times when Duncan was a little bit annoyed with him too. So, you know, think, the thing about people like Tim Duncan is they're rare for a reason. There just aren't that many of them. And so, but it's not surprising because this is what happens in this league. It's a very tight system of people that you travel with constantly and live with for like nine months. And sometimes things go the wrong way. So it's pop is not immune to this. Nobody's immune to this. And frankly, I'm surprised there hasn't really been like a Brad thing at some point with somebody. I don't think Keith Bogans counts. Um, <laughs> no, you know? he definitely does and not. So, but there hasn't been, but you know, at some point they're probably be. And that's just the way it goes. Phil Jackson certainly had him in Chicago. I mean, nobody's immune. I tend to upset Twitter every once in a while when I make these grand proclamations. Stuff <laughs> stuff, stuff that you're way too smart to ever do, by the way. No. Like, for instance, I wouldn't trade Jason Tatum for Kawhi Leonard. Green oh, teamers green teamers <laughs> agree for the most part, okay? Now, people outside Boston believe that that's the dumbest take you can possibly have. Yeah, they're right. So, all right. No, no good. I, I want you to build on that. The, the, you know, the argument from people is why would you keep a kid that you hope can be as good as Kawhi Leonard over dealing for Kawhi Leonard, obviously, which, which fundamentally Leonard, I get. Hold on. Whoa. If Kawhi Leonard is healthy, he's arguably the best player in the league. And if he's not the best player in the league, he's one of the top three. Mm-hmm. He probably could have I, – I almost voted him for MVP last year. I came so close, and I just couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't take into account however many hundreds of minutes that Westbrook played more than him. But, yeah, man – Kawhi Leonard, I'm assuming his health checks out, right? Like, right, which like is a big part of it. Clean bill of health and it's all good. Like, those are the guys you trade for, <laughs> especially at their age and that's and their contract situation. Those are the guys you trade for because those are the guys that win championships. Now, maybe, maybe if things go really well, Jason Tatum will be one of those guys. He's got a lot of talent. He's got a bright future, and a lot of people think he has a chance to be. But he ain't that now, and he may never be in the future. So, yeah, I know what you're saying, and I appreciate it in that Jason Tatum is <sighs> nobody is untouchable in Danny Ainge's world, but sure. he's kind of close to the top, right? Mm-hmm. Like, if you're making a list of, like, do not trade, he's up there. But Danny Ainge has traded every single player that has ever played for him with the exception of Ray and Tony Allen. <laughs> and not, not for lack of effort. Right. <laughs> 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 he had them both traded on multiple occasions. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, it's a fact of life. And, yes, that's why that's why there's so many trades, because you only get so many chances to get a player of that caliber. You know what would be the interesting one, Adam, is if the Anthony Davis thing ever happens. Because do you, how do you Tatum feel about it? will be the number one ask. Well, I think he would be in, in any package like that, whether you're talking about Kawhi or Anthony Davis. Let's start with Davis. What is the likelihood, though, of, of him leaving? I believe that he is in New Orleans to stay at least for a while because that, and Steve Bullpett brought this up to me during one of our shows that mm-hmm. I had never really considered. We've heard all the obvious reasons, mainly surrounded by talent and age, as to why you wouldn't trade Anthony Davis. He brought up the point of that organization might end up getting relocated if you move yeah. Anthony Davis, which is the business side of things that I never really thought about. Do you think oh, that yeah. he's that he's realistically remotely on the table? Oh, yeah. I went down there three or four years ago and wrote a piece about him. Um, go read the two, kids. This is my second poem. <laughs> that's uh, that's and good. Anthony Davis, the special man. You can probably still find it. Um, it's the yeah, internet. Look, you can find I anything. Mean, we, don't, we don't have the hours to unwind the New Orleans situation. But the Cliff Notes version is is that when Chris Paul left, that team was gone. And uh, David Stern adamantly refused to let it happen to the point where he actually bought the team, which was a really gross and weird situation that probably never should have happened. But he was adamant they weren't leaving, and they got Tom Benson in there to own the team, and Tom Benson just passed away. And there's a giant fight brewing between the Benson family, between his daughter and his I don't know which wife, but the, 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 <laughs> the I'm not trying to make fun. Um, his, his, his wife at the time of his death, shall we say. And that will play out in the New Orleans courts, which will be an absolute blazing circus. Blazing circus. At the end of the day, the New Orleans Pelicans exist in New Orleans because of David Stern and Tom Benson. David Stern is no longer the commissioner, and Tom Benson is no longer with us. The only person left between them and whatever is Anthony Davis. That's it. Predicting what is going to happen in that deal... No, unless you know the will of the New Orleans courts and the family members and everything else. Bullpet's right. If somebody's moving, it's probably them. But I, yeah, that's why you don't, making a trade for him is, is, is a difficult proposition, as you mentioned. It's not the same as trading for Kyrie Irving. 
So like you said with Kawhi or Anthony Davis, either, either guy or or superstar X, obviously that you know disgruntled guy like you said that comes available. Jason Tatum would be that top ask, especially with you know that Nets pick no longer in the yeah. scope of, uh, right of reasonable now, be, right yeah. right in in this moment. What do you think, knowing also that? A lot of the time, superstars that wind up getting traded don't get as much as you think they would or should get. <laughs> what do you think a package for Kawhi Leonard would look I like? I knew you were going to ask this. Well, I, <laughs> I don't I, know. I don't mind predictable questions. I mean, look, man, like load up all the number one picks you can imagine, throw in a couple of twos, and start at the top. Yep. You know, you got to match salary, so you got to get some guys who can match salary. By the way, keep an eye on that this summer if they sign some mid-level dudes. It's probably because they're building a salary base of guys you can trade. Um but, you know, they don't really have those guys yet, so you got to start building with what you have. I mean, if you're starting with Tatum. Teams are probably asking, you know, for Tatum and Brown right off the start, and you say no. And then they're asking, and you're saying, and if it comes down to it, you're probably saying Jalen over Tatum, and, but you don't want to do that. So you're trying to come up with another way around that. And if they hold firm and say no Tatum or no deal, then, you know, you, you, gotta make it, you have a choice to make. That's, that's what's going to happen here. Um, and you might you – might, you might say we got two 21-year-old forwards who have got 10 years left, and we got Hayward, and we got Horford, and maybe we got a chance to get another guy. Man, we don't got to do that. We don't have to do this. That's that's where it's going to go. Um, so you know, who else gets caught up in that flow? Who knows? Avery Bradley got caught up in it last year, in a sense. Jay Crowder got caught up in it. So you know, your favorite role player will probably get caught up in it. Um, <laughs> You know, and then there's another question of, like, are you drafting guys? I mean, like, you know, Terry Rozier's got a little trade value on him right now. Um, he's, an, he's a good player. Yep. So, you know, it, what's it going to look like? I don't know, but, you know, it, it doesn't take too much to use your imagination. It's picks and your best players. All right, well, I've kept you for a long time, but before I let you go, let's do it again. We have the other component of the breaking news. Kyrie what? Irving, according to the Celtics, they have announced Kyrie Irving will undergo a procedure this weekend more surgery to remove two screws implanted in his patella from an injury suffered during the 2015 finals. He's expected to make Jeez. a full recovery in four to five months. Oh, God, the plot thickens. Oh, God. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to have to deal with this. <laughs> of all the places you don't want to be right now, it's in the middle how of an interview. Re- how is that for a reaction to breaking news? I think that's a good place to stop. <laughs> What's it mean, Paul? And don't, not with your medical hat, another surgery, four to five months. The expectation, obviously, for a full recovery, like I said. Where's sure. that, where does that even put us on a calendar right now? We're, we're in April. You're asking so me let's, questions I can't answer. I know, all I let's, know is about the next two weeks. I do appreciate all the time, the analysis. No and, uh, you know, wish we didn't have this news to deal with for a multitude of reasons. But uh, I, I do appreciate it. No problem, man. Talk to you soon. All right, thanks again to Paul Flannery. I know he had to run, and uh, quite frankly, this show has lasted so long, much longer than I normally keep a guess, that no time for Twitter questions or any sort of epilogue or anything like that from me. we got to really get out of here. But again, please subscribe, leave ratings. We appreciate it. We'll be back with you next week, as always. Episode 257 brought to you by Hims. My listeners get a special trial month of Hims for just $5 today while supplies last. Just go to 4hims.com slash Celtics and see website for full details. So again, thanks to Paul Flannery. Read his stuff. Thanks as well to Nick, to Larry, Evan, everyone else at CLNS Media, and of course you, first and foremost. We always appreciate your feedback. Keep it coming. Don't hesitate and subscribe on iTunes. That is the most important thing. The ratings are great. The comments are great. Getting me on Twitter at Adam M. Kaufman, great as well. But subscribing on iTunes so that you can be alerted when new shows drop. That is the most important thing, so please do that. All right, I'm Adam Kaufman. Everybody have a great whatever you're doing. Talk to you soon. Here we go, Gino. Hopefully we hear this again soon.